Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. designed to help you fall asleep. On Snoozecast, we read excerpts from public domain works and, occasionally, original stories. Find us on snoozecast.com, follow us on social media, and wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd like to thank our listeners, and we're so glad to help you fall asleep easier. If you enjoy our show, please write us a review on the Apple Podcasts app even if that isn't how you usually listen to us, because it's the best way to help others find us. Also, share it with a friend. This episode is brought to you by Going in the Right Direction. Tonight, we'll be reading the opening to 1887's A Crystal Age by W.H. Hudson. The book, a pastoral utopian novel, has been called a significant sci-fi milestone, and has been noted for its anticipation of the modern ecological mysticism that would evolve a century later. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. Chapter One. I do not quite know how it happened. My recollection of the whole matter ebbing in a somewhat clouded condition. I fancy I had gone somewhere on a botanizing expedition. But whether at home or abroad, I don't know. At all events, I remember that I had taken up the study of plants with a good deal of enthusiasm, and that while hunting for some variety in the mountain, 
I sat down to rest on the edge of a ravine. Perhaps it was on the ledge of an overhanging rock. Anyhow, if I remember rightly, the ground gave way all about me, precipitating me below. The fall was a very considerable one, probably 30 or 40 feet or more, and I was rendered unconscious. How long I lay there under the heap of earth and stones carried down in my fall, it is impossible to say, perhaps a long time, but at last I came to myself and struggled up from the debris, like a mole coming to the surface of the earth to feel the genial sunshine on his dim eyeballs. I found myself standing, oddly enough on all fours, in an immense pit created by the overthrow of a gigantic dead tree with a girth of about 30 or 40 feet. The tree itself had rolled down to the bottom of the ravine, but the pit in which it had left the huge stumps of severed roots was, I found, situated in a gentle slope at the top of the bank. How then I could have fallen seemingly so far from no height at all, puzzled me greatly. It looked as if the solid earth had been indulging in some curious transformation, pranks during those moments or minutes of insensibility. Another singular circumstance was that I had a great mass of small, fibrous rootlets tightly woven about my whole person, so that I was like a colossal basket worm in its case, or a big man-shaped bottle covered with wicker work. It appeared as if the roots had grown round me. Luckily, they were quite sapless and brittle. And without bothering my brains too much about the matter, I set to work to rid myself of them. After stripping the woody covering off, I found that my tourist suit of rough scotch homespun had not suffered much harm, although the cloth exuded a damp, moldy smell. Also, that my thick-soled climbing boots had assumed a cracked, rusty appearance, as if I had been engaged in some brick field operations. While my felt hat was in such a discolored and battered condition that I felt almost ashamed to put it on my head. My watch was gone. Perhaps I had not been wearing it. But my pocketbook in which I had my money was safe in my breast pocket. Glad and grateful at having escaped with unbroken bones from such a dangerous accident, I set out walking along the edge of the ravine, which soon broadened to a valley running between two steep hills. And then, seeing water at the bottom and feeling very dry, I ran down the slope to get a drink. Lying flat on my chest to slake my thirst animal fashion, I was amazed at the reflection the water gave.